Welcome to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. A podcast about events, travel, and the people who love both. Find more episodes at vacationraces.com. Honey Stinger helps you prepare, perform, and recover throughout your athletic journey. Made with delicious honey and organic ingredients, Honey Stinger provides the fuel you need to push harder and go farther. Discover what all the buzz is about at honeystinger.com. Use code STINGERVR30 for 30% off organic waffles, chews, gels, and bars to help you sweeten the burn. Registered for a Vacation Races Half Marathon, but feeling overwhelmed planning your trip? Good Trip Adventures has partnered with Vacation Races to offer guided tours and vacation planning in some of the most iconic national parks. Whether you're a runner or a spectator, you can take advantage of 10% off park tours and trip planning with code VR2023. Good Trip offers both private and small group tours with expert guides and a focus on inclusive and sustainable travel. Visit goodtripadventures.com slash vacation hyphen races and you code VR2023 to book an unforgettable National Parks experience today. Welcome back to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. I am one of the race announcers for Vacation Races, Colleen, and I am with Joshua Tree Race Director, Anna Hosford. Anna, as we record this, we just barely finished Lake Powell. (laughs) Yeah, just yesterday we were in Lake Powell. Just yesterday, and it was a great event, and we're looking forward to closing off the 2023 season in one of our favorite party places, Joshua Tree. Yeah, it is a party. It's a party in the desert. It really is. And it's one of those things. I actually ran this course a while ago in the daylight, and I'm so glad it's in the dark. <laughs> Colleen Colleen will be completely honest with you. I She's will. like, it's not the most scenic course in the day, which is one reason why we run it at night. But it's right. also great to run under the stars. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's beautiful. It's fun atmosphere running at night. Everybody's got their headlamps and everything. So... There's more than one reason why you're in at night, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah, it is. It makes it so awesome at night. And and it's our last event of the season. Everybody comes and it's around just after Halloween. So people seem to still have their light up fun costumes mm-hmm. and their tutus and all of their glow sticks and things. So it really, really is a fun environment. I definitely look forward to it. So we're going to take you through some of the things you need to know about Joshua Tree. Actually, logistics are pretty easy on this one. Yeah, it's pretty simple. What's interesting about this race is it's kind of all in one day. It's one long day, but the expo leads right into the event, which makes it simple because if you come to the expo at just the right time, you can stay there parked and just chill for a while until it's ready for time for the event to start. Yeah, it really is kind of nice. So let's kind of walk through our timeline that we have. As you said, this is all going to be on Saturday, November 4th. Mm -hmm. That's our race day. And we're going to start with the expo, which is going to open at 11 o'clock. Typical expo, and it's at the Joshua Tree Lake RV and Campground. Will you kind of explain where that's located? Yeah, so it it's in Joshua Tree, but it's kind of out of the city area. So there's a street called Sunfair Road that's going off the main highway that heads north. And that you kind of just run into it. It's off to the side. Um, it's you kind of feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. What they do is they have a campground there, but they also host music festivals. And so it's the campground meshed in the same property line as where they host music festivals. So there's lots of parking. If people want to camp, you can camp there. It's all facilitated through the Joshua Tree Lake RV and campground business. Okay. So if you want to reserve tent camping, RV camping. It must be done through them. And typically it does sell out because certain spaces 
are allotted for that while we reserve some of it for parking. So we have enough vehicle parking for okay. the event. So if you do, if you're interested in camping or car camping or anything like that, it does have to be through them. So Joshua mm-hmm. Tree Lake RV and Campground, and they're on Sunfair Road if you want to look them up and make some reservations. Because some people do, they just pull right in, they camp and they stay there and it's kind of fun. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's even easier if you do that way. So yeah. the address is 2601 Sunfair Road in Joshua Tree. Perfect. Okay. And we're going, you know, it's interesting because Joshua Tree is such an interesting national park. It's all about the desert Mm -hmm. and the Joshua Tree. So where we're running is kind of, I think it's to the, oh boy, now I'm going to get my It's it's north of the park. North. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So the park's to the south. So you'll kind of be going away from the park when you go to this. So just so you know, in your mind, you're not going towards the park to find this. It kind of goes away from the park, Mm -hmm. but the farther we get away from the city and everything, that's when we get these night lights in the night yep. sky that Joshua Tree is so well known for. Yeah, there's not a lot of light pollution out there. It's it's nice and dark. And so you'll get, we'll get to see the sunset before we start. Everybody's got their headlamps or their running lights with them. And then you're running in the stars after yeah, that. Yeah, it's it really is beautiful. And we were talking about temperatures before we jumped on here. It's generally so mild and mm-hmm. so nice. Perfect like nighttime running temperatures. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about the high 50s, low 60s. It really is perfect. Maybe you need a light layer towards the end, but most people are just in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're going to be warm while you're running. I would say make sure you have something in your car or use a drop bag mm-hmm. to have something for after. you finish. Yeah. yeah. Just so when you come to awards or if you want to hang out, you'll be able to be warm enough. So the expo, at the expo, we're going to have vendors. We'll get you your bib. We'll make sure that you have your race shirt and everything like that. And we'll have some food, some food trucks and options out there as well. Yes. We're going to have, I believe, the taco truck who they've come in the last few years. We have our popcorn and hot dog vendor. And then our in-house vendor that's always there as part of the venue, um, Java Gogo. So you can get your coffee and everything else too. Okay. Awesome. So a couple of food stops while you're out there because it kind of is in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. but we've got some stuff for you out there. And with a different start time that maybe you're not used to, you need to have a little snack before you go out there. Do kind of plan ahead. Typically our half marathons or most races from what you're familiar with, I'm sure is a morning start. And so, so your time of day to eat might just need to be adjusted a little bit because you don't really want to eat a large dinner before running a half marathon, but it's happening around dinner time. We've actually found that for example, our aid stations, maybe that first aid station hits and people are on the hungrier side. And so we'll go through gels faster. And so we'll plan accordingly for that. But make sure you've got your snacks, a little bit of sugar and carbs in you before your race starts so that you're fueled and ready to go because you're your stomach's kind of used to that meal time during start time of this race. Yeah, that's really good advice. I would even say like two lunches, like mm-hmm. have a lunch mm-hmm. at the normal time and then maybe a late lunch. We've got a six o'clock start. So if you had another like late lunch, early dinner around four 4.30, something yeah. light that you can digest, then you'll be primed and ready yep. to go for that kind of different time. But everything's going to be in the same place. So once you get there, it's really easy. The expo is going to open at 11 and they can pick up their bibs until what time? Because at a certain point, we got to stop and get things ready to yeah. go. So the expo, which includes the bib pickup, all of that ends at five. So we put in their race guide that all the cars need to be parked by 4.30. Okay. I would recommend even earlier than that, simply because this venue at the Joshua Tree Lake RV and Campground, it's kind of a single road that leads to it. And so we've all got to get everybody parked in this property. Now there is enough room, but there's only so many roads that enter into various parking lots. So we'll get you parked and situated, but depending on where your car gets parked, you might have to walk southward down towards the venue where we're hosting the expo 
The expo is also right next to the start line and finish line. So we need you to gather on time. So make sure you're parked no later than 430, which means you're parked ready to go. And last minute bid pickup is happening then. But yeah, so the expo goes from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. But the earlier you are, the better, the less stressed you are. You're not sitting in traffic just with angst trying to get parked just to get your bib. Because that's happened before. It definitely has. It has happened before. Because also where we start this race, again, you talked about it. There's one road in, one road out. So we have to traffic control a little bit as we get Mm -hmm. everybody started. So even that parking affects us being able to start on time and everything. So if you want to come early at 11, 12, 1 o'clock, come pick up your bib go and grab that lunch and another lunch and then come back at like 3 4 o'clock, get yeah. yourself parked and then come hang out. It's really a fun venue to just hang out in. And yeah. we've got more snacks there. So just err on the earlier side for that and just plan that you're going to be there for about 90 minutes to two hours before the race mm-hmm. starts. So mm-hmm. just keep that kind of in your mind. Bring some snacks in the car. That yeah, bring some perfect. snacks. They have a little, they, they actually have a little lake or pond there that you can go feed the ducks. So you can kill some time if you've, spent all of your time and your money at the expo. So there's things to do around the area, but we just ask you to be parked. We do have a little bit of traffic control, like Colleen says. We actually close just south of the road entrance just to get the bulk of our runners through. So if you're running extremely late for whatever reason, you're going to have that pause because we have to stop cars from coming so that we can allow the runners to pass. So we just ask that you keep your timelines in in mind and keep in mind that we are on Pacific um, time zone at this point. So if you're flying in from a different time zone, make sure you do that math accordingly so that you can get to this race on time. Yeah, because if you're flying into LA or if you're flying into Ontario, you got a little bit of drive in mm-hmm. front of you in order to get out there. Or if you're flying into like Palm Springs, it's it's going to take you a yeah. little time to get there. So plan accordingly. I do like this little note in the race guide where it says, if you arrive at the expo to pick up your bib at 330 consider you're just staying. Yeah. Like don't commit, commit to staying, just leaving and coming back just because it's a little bit of drive back into town where there's, um, restaurants, grocery stores, things like that. That itself is probably a 15 to 20 minute drive one way. So it's, you're going to be spinning your wheels, doing a lot of stuff and stressing just to leave and then come back again. Yeah. Yeah. So good advice. That's really the biggest logistics on this entire race is just Mm -hmm. making sure You're there on time at the expo so we can get everybody started. We're going to get everybody lined up at around 530. Our Beast Pacers, they're going to help us line everybody up. Then we'll do our national anthem. Of course, we're going to have raffles and everything that are going to start at about 430. So we're going to do all the regular vacation races, pre-race build up, and then we'll get you going at six o'clock. It will be a wave start. Let's walk kind of through how that wave works because it's a little bit different at Joshua Tree. It is. So we're going to gather everybody Kind of near the expo area, inside the the fence line, if you will, of this property. And we're going to have our pacers lined up. They're going to be holding up large colored signs that indicate which wave. So you'll reference the color that's printed on your bib. It's just at the top left corner. Check which wave you're in. Obviously, if you aren't feeling that same time that you originally signed up for, if you've got friends that are running at a different pace, you're welcome to choose to change to a different wave if you'd like. But once we get you lined up in your waves... We're going to kind of snake you out of the out of the bounds of the property toward our start line, which is just a road that's below that fence line. So it runs parallel to the to the property. We just need to walk you out a certain way so that we can get you lined up in a straight line for the start line shoot. So we'll do that all together. As I said, we'll gather in one spot. We'll walk you through their finish line, snake you around the corner, get you lined up. 
we'll have Colleen on the speaker, so she'll direct you exactly what to do. We'll have music going, but just keep in mind, we want you um, to line up with those pacers between like 5.30, 5.45, so that we can snake you around in a timely manner. Everybody's going to kind of move simultaneously, wave by wave. And then we'll we'll kind of, we'll break you down per wave, maybe give a two to three minute pause in between just because it the course narrows out as you start going right away. So wave one will start, we'll maybe pause a couple minutes and go from there as we get everybody started. Yeah, so it's really gonna be an easy process. It's kind of a follow the leader kind of yeah. process. Yep. And I would say you're probably walking about two tenths of a mile to from Really, we're gathering kind of at the finish line, if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go walk about two tenths of a mile over to the start line, which if there was no fence there, we could just like yeah. be right there. You just kind of have to backtrack just to get to the fence opening and then yeah. come back to where you were just standing on the other side of the right. fence. So it's really, it's not very far. I know it sounds farther when we're talking about it, but literally like I can see the people on the other side of the fence yeah. and wave at them. You can high five your friends on the other side of the fence. You just have to go through the gate. Right. You just can't get, <laughs> and it's a chain link fence. We can't climb over it or anything like that. So it's not like that. We actually have to go around. So once we get you over there, we'll start you. We'll spread you out a little bit. Let's talk terrain on this course. This course, you know, I I always think, I, it makes me laugh, Anna, to think the first year we were here at Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. We had a different notorious. course. It is notorious because some people went and they're like, I'm never going to Joshua Tree again because it was sandy. Yeah, I I always love when people come up to us and say, I ran it that first year. And I say, bless you. Thank right. you for coming back. <laughs> right. Thank you so much because we made some adjustments and we promise the course is so much better. Yeah. It is still sandy, though. It There's some sandy, sandy sections, but the first year was... Uh, for lack of a better word, treacherous. <laughs> Epically sandy. So the sand you're going to get, you're really on hard packed sandy roads. Mm-hmm. Would that be, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not. For the most part, there's some cross streets. I mean, we are in the desert. There's not a lot of foliage around. You'll see that when you arrive, you'll see Joshua trees and things like that on occasion, but most of it's like Shrubs. your low sagebrush, yeah. a few trees here and there, but it's quite barren, I'll be honest. And yeah. so with that, um, a lot of sand can get blown or from driving cross traffic, cross streets and stuff. It kind of just gets churned up. So it really depends on the year and how much rainfall they had, how much compaction it had from traffic or lack of it. And so it, it's a little bit tricky until you get there and see. But generally speaking, it's hard packed sand roads. And then there's certain sections that are a little bit deeper churned up just yeah. from cross traffic. Yeah, it just depends. And this is a good one. If you do like to run with shoe gaiters, yeah. this is a really great time to pull those out. You don't need trail shoes. There's mm-hmm. nothing that you need for traction or anything like that. And the thing to remember is you can't keep sand out of your shoes. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, unless you're duct taping it, including your ankles like a football player, but yeah. I don't recommend that. You're going to want no. some ankle mobility. Yeah. And, and that would be so hot and sweaty. <laughs> it that's, would be hot. That's all I think is how hot that would be. So, so do, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But just understand that sometimes sand gets in our shoes. It's not, it's yeah. unavoidable, but a shoe gator, and we'll have some of those for sale. We have them at Race Merchandise. And I know Andy, who does our finish line engraving, they bring, Andy and Loya bring some for sale as well. So if you're interested in a shoe gator, we have some of those. It just keeps the bigger pieces out. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know what a gator is, it's mainly to cover your the opening of your foot, the ankle area. So it keeps those larger pebbles of the sand, which I will say this area does have the larger grain sand compared mm-hmm. to that fine sand. Not a beachy sand. sand, yeah. Yeah. So those, if a little pebble gets in your shoe or in your sock even near your heel area, it can get kind of irritating. So a gator does help. Obviously, 
not required, but we do recommend it. And they're pretty inexpensive things to help keep your running yeah. comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. For under 20 bucks, you can find them. And if you want to wear trail shoes, if you love your trail shoes, you can totally wear trail yeah. shoes on this. But do know that there is a whole section of pavement mm-hmm. on this course as well. We talk about the sand because that kind of gets everybody's attention. But there is on the back side between mile six and it's like mile yeah, like six and a half to like mile nine. Mm-hmm. It's like a section of pavement. So you will have a section of pavement out there. Most of this is a rolling course as well. Mm-hmm. The first mile, I guess till about mile three, you have the most significant hill. When I look at the elevation chart, I know. It, it makes it look, look like you're climbing. Yeah, it looks Everest. like you're taking one big step. <laughs> it's a vertical jump. Yes. But in the grand scheme of it, as far as your starting elevation to its highest point, it's not that significant. No. And our gain, our total gain over the entire course is only 461 yeah. feet. So. But that first hill is something to it know. Is. It sure is. And yeah. visually, it's really funny because as you're running it, there's actually a road that continues on a little steeper above it. But you actually go to the right-hand side and you don't take the steepest course. So you're kind of running ahead. I remember when I was running, I was like, are we going up that? (laughs) And then I realized we weren't going up that. It was just a different road that I could see in front of me. Plus, when it's dark, you can't see all that stuff. And I love to see the headlamps just snaking up. It's fun to see. We, we, Colleen and I stick around the start and finish line. And we get you all started. And we love to see your trail of headlamps and running lights go up the hill. So cool. We always know when somebody's off course. Oh, there it goes. There goes the headlamp. (laughs) Speaking of headlamps, so that is mandatory, right? Yes. So not specifically a headlamp, but some sort of light. And we always say your cell phone should not count as that light. Right. Your cell phone light could be a backup. But please have a running headlamp, a waist lamp, one of those handhelds, a flashlight, something. We need you to be able to illuminate your own running path. It's not for visibility only, but for you to see where you're going. Yeah. The entire course is not lit. And since we're running it dark, we're starting essentially right after sunset. You need to illuminate and see your own path. Our aid stations, each one will have balloon lights just so the workers can see what they're doing to fill your water jugs, things like that. But the course is not lit. We are out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. so to speak. I mean, we're in some residential areas, but there's not a lot of street lights, cross lights, things like that. Yeah. So make sure you've got a good lighting kit, whatever lighting kit you want. I'm a huge fan of a waist lamp. Me too. Huge fan because I'm gonna, I'm just going to sell it to you right now. I feel like headlamps, in they really like mess with my vision mm. because the light is coming into my eye so close mm-hmm. because it's on my head. And so if I don't wear a brimmed hat, I feel like my light, my eyes don't actually like, what is it called? Like they don't regulate or they don't get used yeah. to the like darkness. Like they're seeing a light before the light's hitting this subject yes. you're trying to illuminate, right? Yeah. So I, I'm not a headlamp fan, but I do love a great waist light. And there are so many brands out there of waist lamp lights. And so yeah. don't be afraid to overlight yourself. Oh yeah. Why not? And then you can be seen because it is an open course. You'd mm-hmm. mentioned that this, I mean, we, it's very lightly trafficked if anything, but there can be traffic on this course and you need to be visible too. Mm-hmm. So lights help you be visible. Wear something reflective. That's not required, but dress it up. Wear something reflective. And I love those new like Nike jackets. Have you seen those oh, ones? Yeah. That it's like you're wearing a lantern. You're like a glowing person. Yeah, it's so Certain cool. angles. Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. And you wouldn't tell when you just looked at the jacket. So there's some really cool reflective things out there. So be reflective, be seen, and also be able to see. Yes. It's the purpose of the lights. 
You talked about the aid stations. Those will be lit. We've got six total aid stations, typical vacation races style. They're cup-free, gnarly hydrate in the red jugs, water in the blue jugs, honey stinger gels. We'll have some cut-up fruit, oranges and apples. We don't want apples. Oranges and bananas. Yeah, that's the one. Towards the back end of the course, but just kind of typical. So after mile three, which is our first aid station, they're every two Mm miles-ish. Yeah. Ish. Barely close to that yeah. Let's benchmark. Go with, go with we'll go it's, with an ish. We just want to make sure we have a, a nice pullout area to service it, but they're around those mile markers. Yeah. So ish. And then we give you a bonus one at 12, just yep. in case you need something. So just so you know that the only thing that I want people to know on this course, Anna, that we've seen in the past is there are not many turns, mm-hmm. but you need to take the turns that there are. Yes. They're pretty significant turns. If you were to reference the map while we're talking about this race guide, it's it's not a perfect square, but it's quite um, angular, if you will. Like we've got simple, we've got a handful of right hand turns to make yep. your this course a complete loop. We go in a clockwise manner, starting going south, and then we turn right, which means we're heading west. Then we turn right again, we're heading north. We turn right again, we're heading east. We turn right again, we're heading south, and so on and so on until we circle back to the finish line. So there are some very key turns. We don't want you to simply rely on the pacer you might be following. Right. Because everybody's responsible for their own course. We want you to study the course. It should not be easy to get lost on this course. It's going to be well marked with some pink ribbons and flagging tape. But once again, because it's dark, we need you to be paying attention to those key turns. So these turns are going to be marked with delineator cones, which are these flat cones that stand about three and a half, four feet tall. And they're reflective and we'll have reflective turn arrows on it with also a blinking LED light. So it's going to catch your attention, but you also need to be paying attention for right. those turns. So you're not like, oh, look at all those like uh, cool delineators and you yeah. just keep on running straight. Yep. <laughs> it's up to you to make sure you stay on course. And um, if you're running in one, any one direction for more than a few miles, except for that top stretch, more than likely you've yeah. blown past a turn. So yes. help keep each other in check. If you see somebody who's going past the turn and they're maybe 20 meters in front of you, please yell at them. Tell them to come back. Let them know they missed the turn. And if you're in a group of friends and you're kind of chatting and talking, make sure you guys are responsible to be looking yeah, out for that. For sure. And it's all right-hand turns, isn't it? It really is. We Except are- for like your final, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at the course. Right, right. It's almost all right-hand turns. It's almost all right-hand turns. Except, except your final when one when you come in that you circle yes. the property to come into the finish. It's like the final half mile. There's That's a left-hand left. turn. Right. That's, it's like the top end of the property, and then you're back to right-hand turns. After yeah, that. so it's just, there's a lot of right-hand turns. We're making like a giant kind of rectangle. It actually looks like Utah a little bit. Yeah, that's, it's like Utah turned on its side. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. You can <laughs> find that course map in your digital race guide that is on email, or you can find it on the Vacation Races and Joshua Tree website. So just check for that if you really want to look at that course. But don't look at the elevation chart and freak out because that first yeah. hill you have to look at the numbers. It's it's really not as bad as it seems. It is definitely uphill. People do find this a challenging course. It definitely is. It's it's not a flat course, but the challenge of night, I will say night running is not for everybody, but it, I'm happy that you're coming. I'm happy that you're challenging yourself for it. A lot of people train in the mornings and it's just kind of a different atmosphere running at night. You might not be used to that light being cast from your headlamp or your waist lamp and seeing the depth perception um, from your own eyes, it can throw you off. So that alone and navigating and continuing on in some sandy sections and some straightaways are kind of a challenge itself. They are, yeah. But the nature sure. of this course has built, there's so much straightaways, it can almost feel a little monotonous. But 
it's a good challenge. It's okay to challenge yourself in an event like this. But yeah, there's going to be some differences that you might not be used to. And with night running, it's always slower. Mm-hmm. Night running is always slower. No matter yeah. if you're the fastest runner ever, it's going to be slower. And enjoy it. Like take some time out there when you're kind of in the dark. I always love this. And some people don't love this, but you might like this. This might speak to you. If you're in a safe spot, there's no traffic around, no one's around, step to the side and turn off your lights. Mm. And like, mm-hmm. look up and just enjoy yeah. it. The stars should be great. I mean, barring there's no significant cloud cover, but the, it, we almost always have fantastic stars for this event. And like Colleen said, this area is known for its night sky. People have star parties. So yeah, take a moment, slow down for a second. It's going to be okay. Look up and and realize how many stars there are out for that night. It's going to be great. Yeah. And we've got about a half moon that day. So about, about a half moon. So we'll have a little bit of light from the moon, but it should actually still be really, really yeah. good. So you guys really will love it. It's such a party. We light up the finish line. We have just kind of a party atmosphere at the finish line. So it will be great. Is there anything else on course? Oh, I wanted to mention at the first aid station, we can drop loose clothing. Yes. So Colleen mentioned gear check at the start line. So you're going to, if you want and we do recommend if you need a jacket or something, a layer to warm yourself up, warm yourself up after the event, you're waiting for friends to finish and so on, bring those items with you. We'll have gear check for you that you check at the start line and we have it at the finish line organized. Um, we also have one more chance to discard some layers and that's at the first aid station. So we usually have a, a can there or a pickup truck there to just, you can toss your things in there and that's why we call it loose clothing drop. It's simply loose. We bring it to the finish line kind of lay it out on a tarp so you, for you to retrieve after the fact. Yeah. So if you wanted to start with something a little, like a long sleeve or something, you can do that. Really just watch the weather. It's generally pretty warm during the expo mm-hmm. and it's very mild for running. So, yeah. so like you said, barring any strange clouds or something, and we get such a great sunset at this one too. We always have such a fun yes, sunset. I love the sunsets here. It really is great. There's nothing like a desert sunset. So we have everything taken care of spectators. It's really not a spectator friendly course because the roads are just not able to be driven by yeah. spectators. Yeah. If spectators are going to ride the roads, all they're doing is kicking up dust for you, the runner or your fellow runners. So we do ask that spectators simply park, stay at the start, watch you start as a runner and then be there for the finish. They can, they can definitely track you on race joy, which is an, a running app that we use and we partner with, um, so they can track you as a runner and you are tracked. They can send you cheers. There's all kinds of fun facts that Colleen shares about the area and things that you're going to be looking at. So they can track you on Race Joy, know exactly when you're coming to the finish, but we ask that the spectators stay at the finish line. Yeah, that's that's just the best place to be. Come hang out with us. We'll have a really fun time. I was looking at the course records and this kind of speaks to how fast or how slow a course is. The overall male course record for this was set in 21 and it was a 124.29. So that is on the slower side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, we see things around 115s, even 110s on some of the faster courses. So that just lets you know overall female was a 134.04. So that's kind of what we're looking at. I would add 10 to 15 minutes on your normal half marathon time yeah. for this and just, just know that that's what it is. It's yeah. just the expectation. So Okay, I think that's really it. We're going to have a party and it's going to be great. And you get to go to Joshua Tree. What have yes. you explored in Joshua okay, Tree? Okay, so Joshua Tree, I, I'll have to be honest. So I live in the desert and I actually didn't have the highest expectations because I live in Southern Utah, as does Colleen, and we are very spoiled with the type of desert we live in. We have the beautiful red rocks, the landscape. We have Zion and Bryce Canyon all near us, and this is all great. But going to Joshua Tree 
on the way there, um, beauty is in the the eye of the beholder, but there's certain sections that I was like, yeah, this is kind of a lackluster desert. But as soon as you get into the park, the boundary of the national park is kind of different. It's actually quite different. If you you feel like you're on another planet, it's kind of Marsy feeling, but there's really cool rock formations. They're very cool rock formations. And obviously the Joshua trees themselves, it's, it's all over the place. I just love that you can kind of drive through the main drive drive that cuts through it. There's all kinds of offshoot trails to go and explore different formations. There's actually a lot of a variety of plant life too. And that, and what you're saying is absolutely right. Like you drive in from Las Vegas or through like the Barstow area and you're Mm -hmm. just like, where in the heck are we? Yeah. (laughs) You feel like you're in the middle of nowhere and you're like, who would, this is where they hide the bodies. Like this is it. (laughs) But then you get into Joshua tree and that's where these three deserts like come together and they create this whole new ecosystem. And Mm -hmm. you have these desert plants that we don't have in our desert. And so it's really, really interesting. So even if you're just like driving through 29 Palms or through Joshua Tree, that's not it, people. Like get into the park. Please get into the park because there's so much to explore. And we have some things in the race guide that will help you kind of know where to go and see where to go. You can also download our app that we have yeah. that you can get some recommendations on things to do and all of that because there really is more than you think. So yeah. make sure to go and become part of our Explorer Club and check out that app and you can download, yeah, download the, the neocaching app. And in that there is a Joshua Tree Explorer Club section. And in there, there's all sorts of things, whether it's hike recommendations, things to just sightsee and do places to go eat in the nearby area. So if you are here for the first time and you're not sure what to do, it kind of gives you a rundown of things based on little activity or you want to do some extremely strenuous hike. And also in the race guide, we have some of our favorite hikes from years past that we recommend. Some of them are harder. Some of them might just be a simple tour. There's a whole variety of things and activities for you to do with whoever you're traveling with. Yeah. And if you live like on the East Coast where it's just trees and trees and, you know, all you see is vegetation. This is going to be the polar opposite, yeah. like 180 degrees. But it's pretty too. It's it is. not just boring rocks. It's really pretty out there. And Joshua Tree is also a climber's paradise. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people do climbing because of the rock formations and the way that they are. And if you've been to our Saguaro race, this desert is totally different. I know that seems weird, but the desert is different in this yep. area. So Lots of things to check out. And I'm just kind of scrolling through. I've always wanted to do this Boy Scout trail. That's the I one. haven't done that either. Yeah, I want to do that one. That's that's one that I've been wanting to do. So we might have to go down a little bit earlier and see it. But Joshua Tree has, it has some interesting, unique features to it. So if you've never been there, plan to spend some extra time and explore. You might have some time. If you come to Big Bib Pickup early, you have a couple of hours to go into the park and drive around and then come back for the event. If you don't have a whole lot of time, you can squeeze a lot in. Yeah. And a lot of people do camp in Joshua Tree. There's various campgrounds Mm -hmm. to go do. So if you're one of the lucky ones that snagged one of those, you're in for a treat. It's really cool. I always, I haven't yet camped in Joshua Tree, um, but others that said they have, it's a really cool experience. So if that's something you're interested in, go for it. Pretty new national park. I think it was founded in 96. It's like in the 90s. It's, It's a young one. It is a young one. It's one of the very young ones. It was a state park for a really long time. But now it has become a national park. So it it definitely is something cool to see and something that we're trying to preserve and the National Park Service doing a great job there. I do want to do a little shout out to our Wander Project Charity Bib Runners because we have a couple of them. 
they had to raise at least $1,000 for Wander Project. And what's cool about Wander Project is that you can raise money for whatever you want to raise money for. Yeah. Like, we'll help you. If you've got something to do with domestic violence that you want to raise funds for, great. If it's something to do with breast cancer awareness, great. If it's something to do with the outdoors and conservation, great. You can do that and raise those funds for your charity of choice through Wander Project. So we have a few people who will be coming with charity bibs. You can see them because they have a different color bib. Yeah, they'll be in the yellow bibs running at the event. Give them a high five and kudos to them because they they raise this money for their own events and own causes. And because of that, as a thank you to them, we waive the registration fee for them to run the half. So cool, so cool. So Wander Project doing great things there. So we appreciate them. All right, Anna, have we forgotten anything? No, I think we just want you to come be excited. We're ready to have this party in the desert. It's kind of our finale as far as our domestic events for the year. And so it is fun. Um, Adam and Colleen, they do our sound and announcing. They get the finish line all fun with the lights. It's It really is a party. Merch stays out open until late at night. So all of your friends and family who might be spectating, they can shop merchandise well after the expo as they wait for you to come finish. And it's just going to be a great party. Yeah, it is. Bring your costumes, bring your light up things, bring your reflective gear Yeah, or don't. It doesn't matter. But if you want to have a party, we can make it a party and you're really going to enjoy it. So we're excited to see you guys the weekend of November 4th down in Joshua Tree, California. If you do have any questions, you can always reach out to us at info at vacationraces.com or you can go right to our race director, Anna. What is your email? My email is Anna at vacationraces.com and that's spelled A-N-N-A. All right, super easy. We'll see you guys in Joshua Tree. Hydration has never looked so good. Hydro Flask brings you the best and brightest bottles, tumblers, and outdoor kitchenware. Strikingly simple and durable. Hydro Flask reusable items are perfect for your outdoor adventures. Discover your best travel mate on hydroflask.com or follow at hydroflask on Instagram. Nerding out on data, perfecting the optimal training and nutrition plan, aiming for progression in PRs. Sound like you? Well, Gnarly Nutrition can relate. Featuring a full line of honest sports nutrition products, Gnarly provides the best nutrition possible for all types of mountain athletes. Because they offer great tasting and reputable products, Vacation Races trust Gnarly to be the on-course hydration sponsor. With the low-calorie, high-electrolyte Gnarly Hydrate for shorter races and the calorie, electrolyte, and amino acid-filled Gnarly Fuel 2.0 for longer races. Gnarly is here, taking the bonking out of your big day. Use code VACATION15 during checkout at gonarly.com for 15% off. You've been listening to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at vacationraces.com with comments, concerns, or stories you'd love to share. Make sure to watch for more episodes coming soon to vacationraces.com. This episode was produced by Colleen Rue in the Festival Sounds Studio. For information about music licensing, contact Dane at vacationraces.com.